thank you for downloading the local paper review podcast with the Romford Recorder and Time 107.5. My guest for the local paper review, we have Laura Burnett and we have uh, Rafe Blackburn from the uh, Romford Recorder, Ilford Recorder. So you've bought a selection of news stories from a selection of papers. Where do we start off? So we're starting off with today's front page of the Romford Recorder, which is the very sad news that the Mecca Bingo former Towers Cinema building in Hornchurch is going to be knocked down and replaced with a Lidl. So this is a story that we've been following. I think it was July last year when the um, uh, the owners of the then owners of the building, which are the Rank Group, who own Mecca Bingo, announced that they'd had an offer that they just couldn't refuse, basically, mm. um, from a developers, uh, which then turned out to be Lidl. And there's a big campaign which has been running. Uh, very passionate campaign to save the building, at least save the facade, if not the, you know, keep it as a bingo hall. Um, sadly, uh, the campaigners have lost their battle and Lidl have said that it's going to be a matter of weeks before it's knocked down. It's obviously yeah. a big, iconic uh, building, so some people are upset. Now, we focused this week on the uh, comments of some of the members of the uh, regulatory committee who approved the plan to... Um, to demolish it and several of them abstained because they said that they couldn't oppose it because of the way that planning laws work if there's no planning reason to turn something down they can't vote with their conscience mm. which is something that i know annoys a lot of people it's an issue that it's not solely with this building it happens in you know all across the country because of the way that planning laws work so we focus on that angle so what would people want then would people want the members of a planning committee to be able to have the right to without good reason without needing to express a reason make a decision well that's the issue isn't it if there's a lot of local feeling to save a building then obviously residents would want them to have the power to say there might not be a planning reason. Yes, you know, Lidl in this case own that building and legally they can do whatever they want with it. But we know that that's not what the community wants. Uh, certainly that's the argument of the campaigners anyway. But then at the same time, like you said, you know, they are just a group of individuals. Should they have that power to turn something down just because they don't like it? So it's a it's a debate. I mean, Rafe, what do you what do you think of this? Um, uh, it, it, this... The it's a tricky one. This is obviously a very emotive subject. I mean, I, I've covered stories for the recorder in the past along this subject, which has kind of gone the other way, where um, it was to do with the micropub in Upminster, which got rejected, I think, a couple of times at regulatory committee, um, which was basically, it appeared on, on the whim of a few councillors, and that's turned out to be incredibly popular um, and I know a lot of people use it and that had to go to appeal and I think caused a lot of stress for the owners which thought you know they, they should have they, legally they should have been allowed it in the first place and it turned out that they won their appeal so that's now open so uh, I think in, in this case I, I'm not I, I wouldn't blame the, the planning system I think that there are there are reasons for for it to not just be on the whim of councillors um, and I think if if you're possibly looking um for someone to blame i mean historic england they they make the um they make the decision about the value of the the building so perhaps uh, it, it should be with them <laughs> yeah cuz there was an application to list it and i believe that the um 
the reason why it wasn't listed was because it had some alterations. Right. Um, Chloe Farron, who's the reporter who wrote this uh, this story this week, actually spoke to um, an expert in kind of 1930s Art Deco cinemas. And he said that he didn't actually agree with that, that it would mean that it shouldn't be listed. And, and he was questioning kind of whether that assessment was correct. I think this, the sad thing in this case is obviously if you're an applicant who wants to make changes to something and it's turned down and it shouldn't be, you can appeal and your the decision will be made by the planning inspectorate who are neutral. Um, whereas if you're like in this case, there's, there's nothing now. Now this decision has been made. There's nothing yeah. the campaigners can do. And by the looks of it, with the phrase within a matter of weeks, well, as soon as they can make some sort of, as soon as it's knocked down, the situation's resolved because there's nothing you can do. You can, you mm. know, can moan about it, but they're not going to rebuild it brick by brick. Although it is interesting that people are con- complaining about this change, whereas originally it wasn't a bingo. At some point, someone would have been thinking, oh, we are losing some form of cinema. We are losing the historic place where films were shown. Fair a bingo. And now the next step is, oh, we're losing a bingo hall. I know it's more about the building at this stage. But if you look at everything and track it back, there's always going to be some change that someone was upset about. Imagine in the future when there's some radio show where everything will be on, whatever the future of the internet is, and they'll be discussing how that little was knocked down, replaced by probably a Pokemon Go stop. <laughs> and people will be all upset about, oh, remember the little that they used to have around there? I think I think a lot of it is, as you said, it's more about the building. I don't think people are desperate to have a cinema back. But what's... Um, what's I mean, I personally think that maybe Lidl should be doing more to appease this because they said at the meeting last week I'll just get the quote up so I get it completely right um they said here we go they said it would be incompatible with the chain's layout model and budget to keep the facade as it is Mm. now which I think is a real shame because surely uh, I mean if they made this offer in the first place to buy this building for what the rank group said would be equal to 12 years profit from this this um, bingo hall, which, as they also said at the time, was actually doing well, then they obviously have got the money to be able to keep that facade and turn it into the supermarket and then keep everyone happy. Yeah. But it just seems to me that their attitude is probably that people will use it anyway because people like shopping at Lidl, which is obviously why they want to open a supermarket. So just seems have, shame. Do you think they've done some research into what the customer response is going to be? Because big corporations seem like the kind of place where they'll focus group this to realise if you get some bad blood out there, you don't have people going to your shop, we don't want that. But then are, are Lidl big enough to be doing all that focus? You know, if this were a Tesco's, you would assume they would have focus grouped this up the whatever. But are they just going with it and just thinking, you know what, people like cheap stuff, we're going to get them through the doors. I reckon they might just have a, a set design which has just been implemented across the company. I know, lot, you know, I imagine lots of companies as as they're trying to, you know, find ways to save yeah. money. I know li- Lidl is one that I imagine like, would do that. But Costas and stuff, uh, Costas and Starbucks seem to go for homogeneity sometimes. But if you get a nice old building, they keep the old building look and then just pop the coffee shop on the inside. It's probably easier to do with the coffee shop, I guess. But I mean, I, oh, oh, sorry, I just wanted to pay more. I mean, I think that. If they they had kept the original design, it would make that shop stand out from the hundreds of other. Well, I don't know how many supermarkets there are in Havering, but they all look reasonably similar. It would add a, a level of difference which wouldn't otherwise be there. 
Okay, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll track that as it continues. If people want to read more, which paper and which page is it? So this is today's Romford Recorder. It's um, pages six and seven. There's a two-page uh, analysis of all the issues. Okay. So it's a great read. So if people want to find that sure more. Make sure we'll, you pick it up. We'll head them there. Story number two on the way. Give me a little hint. What's that going to be? It's about dangerous dogs. It's the local paper review with Laura Burnip and uh, Rafe Blackburn, and we are going through the papers. Dangerous dogs. Dangerous dogs. Totally this dangerous. is an issue um, which we've been covering in the Romford paper. Uh, in the last three weeks, we've had a few stories relating to this issue. And this week, we had a column written by Andrew Rosendale, the Romford MP, who is a dog owner and who is very passionate about the Dangerous Dogs Act and getting it reviewed and getting different legislation brought in. He is arguing that the Dangerous Dogs Act, which at the moment bans four specific breeds isn't fit for purpose and that the the act and um, legislation around dangerous dogs should be based on deed rather than breed and um, I think what's quite interesting about this week in the paper we've got Andrew who is the owner of a Staffordshire Bull Terrier called Buster who he says is you know great with people loves meeting people um, very well trained and then on page 11 we've got a story about um, a swan in Hornchurch Country Park being attacked and killed by a Staffordshire Bull Terrier. So it obviously shows that, you know, maybe it is more about the training the dog has, the life it's had, Mm. um, the owner and those actions rather than the breed and the dog itself. So it's an interesting issue. What if there were a statistical correlatory link between the type of dog and the type of owner? And people say it's not the dog, it's the owner that's the problem. Well, if therefore you can tell there's a bit of an issue with the attitude of the owner by which type of dog they're more likely to buy, judging by breed actually then becomes a strong indicator. Like sort of status dogs and that kind of thing. Well, because you're less likely to find an aggressive owner who owns... Uh, a Frisian Bees or whatever, a Bichon Freeze, whatever they're called. I've never, you know, the little fluffy little, yeah. little tiny things. <laughs> if someone has got massive chewed and just spends their entire time fronting about how, you know, hard they are, if they've got a Bichon Freeze, I don't, I, it's not going to be that person, is it? So surely that's a breed where you know the owners are not going to be um, the aggressive sort, whether they're good trainers or not, is a different issue. Well, no, it's not a different issue. It's a slightly less well-linked issue, but... That if there's a link between the type of owner and the type of breed, then the, the breed test still counts. The problem is that with the breed test, there's no DNA thing at the moment, is it? The Dangerous uh, Dogs Act requires bans certain breeds, but there's no DNA test for it. So it, you it's, you measure certain characteristics of the dog to try and fit it to the breed. How are we? They're DNAing the poop of the dogs <laughs> around here. If you can do that to recognise the dog, why can't you DNA it to tell what kind of breed it is? Yeah, I think they look at the physical attributes of it, don't they, rather than the DNA. I mean, I think a lot of it really should be around the capacity of the dog to cause injury. I mean, you talk about those smaller dogs like, I don't know, a Yorkshire Terrier, for example. Yeah. I don't think a Yorkshire Terrier could attack and kill a swan. Interesting with the swan. I mean, the Yorkshire Terrier was kind of bred to be really good at, at ripping apart um, ferrets and uh, rabbits and things. Was it? I yeah. didn't know that. They fit down holes really well. They were the, so they, they, they were bred to be vicious, but to be vicious for smaller animals. And they, if you've ever have you ever been around the Yorkshire Terrier? I know they're very they're very yappy. <laughs> yeah, they got chewed. They're as bad as those people who walk around with the with the dogs. They are full. They're, they're all front because they're the little dogs. My dad's got one, and it's it will bark at any animal that walks anywhere near it. So I think they're definitely you know all bark and no bite. 
that's yeah, actually yeah. a pun that applies here. So they, um, I think they bite as well. Uh, the York, Yorkshire. There is a there is an issue here though with what uh, Andrew says. Andrew Rosendale, sorry, um, <laughs> Mr. Rosendale, Mr. Sir. Rosendale to Andy. me. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that certain breeds, like you were saying, with the Yorkshire Terrier, they are bred for certain purposes and. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure Staffies are, were bred originally to fight, so they have instincts in them which other dogs don't have. So, so surely that need, that is an indicator that these dogs need to be specifically looked at. Although I'm sure Buster's a lovely little chap. Well, I, I, I think a lot of people, you always read about a lot of people who have Staffies and they say that they are like the most loving dogs and... Um I think, I'm not an expert, I'm not a dog behaviour expert, but I think that they're quite... Um, easy to train and can be trained quite well yeah well my this is going slightly off topic my granddad used to have a staffy and uh she was absolutely lovely to her owner uh to him and to the family and people she knew but you couldn't take her for a walk because if she saw another dog she'd just go absolutely berserk straight away and uh, so with my knowledge of that one Staffordshire Bull Terrier, <laughs> I'm going to come to you, the sweeping judgment. <laughs> I think they, 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 do, they do definitely seem to be more aggressive. than other Just dogs. yeah, just to clarify, Staffies are not one of the four band breeds. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Pitbulls are. And then the others are like, I think it's a Japanese Togo and some other breeds wow. that I hadn't heard of. I don't think they're particularly common. But then you get the issue of, um, it's all very well banning a breed, but the concept of a breed is a bit tricky. I mean, this is why they don't DNA. It's a little bit tricky, isn't it? Because as soon as you then cross that dog with something else, who knows whether it should still be banned? So at the moment, if it's physically representing half of its breed and that breed is banned, it is banned under the Act. But then it's difficult to tell. You could cross it with a, um, a Labrador or a Golden Retriever, and therefore you should be breeding in half totally docile you know great with people of uh, with visual impairment type dogs then should you ban it or not it's i don't know it's it's almost like this is an area where an act won't really help or it mm. certainly can't help 100 percent. yeah i think that's the thing i mean you can't just list four breeds of dog three of which as far as i'm aware aren't even that common and then just cover that i think what i don't know exactly what andrew would like to see sorry mr rosendale would like to see um Instead, but I suppose it would be something like a like a one strike system where if a dog attacks another dog, that's it; it's automatically destroyed. But then there's an issue around obviously identifying the owners. Um, but clearly, there certainly have been a lot of high profile stories recently, just in the past couple of months. Not not around here, but I know there was that that little boy who was killed in in Halstead in Essex, which incredibly incredibly sad. And there was um, another story. I think it was from Huddersfield. I think it was that we we mentioned in one of our stories where um, a man had actually been mauled to death mm. as well by a dog. I can't remember the breed involved. I think that was a pit bull. Um, and obviously, you're, you know, you're never going to be able to legislate completely that's going to stop these kind of things happening because they are animals. Yeah. And, and and you can't stop it completely. But whenever we talk about these things, no one ever seems uh, on various shows I've got into this discussion. No one ever seems to say, OK, bring back licenses. But why not? Because it's about giving a license to the person. It's Everyone always goes, it's not the dog's fault. Whether you, no matter which position on the fence you are on this, which way around, it's always the person that's the problem. Um, so licenses, in, in a sense, stop people having dogs, because it's about licensing the people. It's a dog license, but, you know, if you could stop a person having a dog license, then you know, if you've owned a dog and that dog has been involved in an attack and if you're never allowed to own a dog again, does that not seem like that will be solving some part of it? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah I think it's quite a good idea. They um, have them in America, don't they? I think they still have them there. I know we used I, to have I, them. I don't know why we stopped. Um, something to find out <laughs> yeah <laughs> I keep week. putting it forwards but it's never a popular thing but I always go for that I think you know then it's a cheap, cheap license if your dog's black and white I'm not really sure how it works um, but okay so story number three on the way what, actually before we before we, in case people want to read the words of Andrew Rosendale MP which page can they find them on and under whom's uh, column can they look <laughs> so Andrew Rosendale's comment is on page 34 of this week's Romford Recorder yep. and nestling above it is a column by a certain local radio DJ. What have you written about this week? I have not remember. About. I cannot remember. Oh, it's the people who were in a... Actually, I was really busy this week. I was working mornings and here and on Tuesday I got the listeners to help me write the column. <laughs> I ended up covering the mid-morning show as well. Uh, so they they helped me write that. We, we discussed the issues of the people who were living inside the dome. It was NASA's experiment to isolate people for a year to see how they would cope with life on Mars. And they got released on Monday, I think it was. Was it Monday? Oh, Sunday or Monday, so we wrote about that on Tuesday. So some people will know what's in there already because they help write the thing. <laughs> so it saves me doing all the hard work. Don't read it right now, necessarily. <laughs> I have read it because oh, I wrote the headline, but I can't, I can't remember. It was, Monday. it was Tuesday, I think. It feels like a long time ago. Um, but so yeah, definitely check memorable, it out. Memorable, memorable <laughs> column on page 34, is it? Uh, so story number three on the way. What's that going to be about? Story number three is about the potential for another Westfield-style shopping mall. We're doing the local paper review. Laura Burnett, Parade for Blackburn, and some papers. Uh, so, story number three. What's story number three, then? Story number three is the front page of this week's Barking and Dagenham Post, which is the exciting news of potential regeneration of the Vicarage Field Shopping Centre in Barking, um, so the uh, the headline on the front page is that the new mall will rival Westfield. And we've got some comments from the Chamber of Commerce um, president, uh, Mark Bass or Bass. I'm not actually sure how you pronounce his name, but he has said um, that he can't see why this uh, regeneration, if it goes ahead, if it's approved, uh, couldn't couldn't create something that would would be on a par with Westfield shopping centre. Westfield. I mean, if he if he means the Stratford Westfield, it's massive. I don't think he means in terms of size. Well, he does then, say yeah. that obviously it would be a bit more compact. Um, but but if you look at the there's some images of uh, from the developers uh, Benson Elliott of what they envisage for the centre of Barking, and it does look very very impressive. So what is it that makes Stratford Westfield what it is? The thing that gives it its status. So therefore, what can you compete with? It's locations very important, isn't it? That loads of people can get to it, and it used to have an Olympics right by it. That's going to be tricky to compete with. I, I, I think it's so. It's completely taken over. Pe- not, not so much in in Romford, um, but in Ilford. Um, whenever we've done a few stories on the town centre um, and various parts of Redbridge, like Barkingside, Woodford Green. Um, Whenever you ask people where they they go shopping, people are. I used to go to Ilford, but since um, Westfield's popped up, right. I, I will always go there. Um, and I guess it's just the the sheer variety of shops, the ease of access as well, um, with the, the the transport links. And I think it has. Um, I guess what Mark Bass means is that um, you know people from Barking. Will stop just always decided choosing to go into uh, into into Stratford whenever they have any shopping to do. Well, it's got the train links, Barking. I mean, it's connected 
uh, you know, on the tube. It's connected out, you know, to lots of parts of Essex. Yeah, Overland goes into it as well, doesn't it? And Vicarage yeah. Fields is right opposite there. So if you think about, I mean, if you remember what Stratford was like before Westfield was there. Bless it. it. <laughs> it They've still got the Stratford shopping centre I know, as well. but that, that is isn't that dissimilar to what is embarking at the moment. If you yeah. think about the kinds of shops, you know, there's the Argos, there's... Subway, what else is there? What we were, yeah, what we were talking about before we came on air was that why does everything have to be like Stratford? Is that is that I mean there's been a lot of talk with Rhea about the Olympic legacy, but uh, one of one of the, the legacies of this whole thing seems to be Westfield, Westfield Stratford yeah. just sucking all the shoppers. That's <laughs> Do you know what you any, want, anyone envisaged? Yeah, you don't expect that. I mean, the, the Olympic legacy is meant to be getting people in shape, not giving people more coffee shops to go to. <laughs> Although the, the place on that middle floor that does the cake next to where the cinemas are. <laughs> oh, my days. Um, so, yes. So, but that's the thing about Stratford. It, it, it did benefit from the Olympic legacy, basically, didn't it? The, the poor old. I feel sorry for Westfield uh, White City. No one even thinks it's a Westfield anymore. <laughs> oh, bless the little thing. I mean, it was there first and now no one... And there are Westfields elsewhere in the country as well, aren't they? Uh, I only one, know about those two. Yeah. Derby. I think, is it Derby Westfield or something I like don't that? Know. Yeah, it's, it's not one of the been. big players. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I have a bit of a... So I don't particularly like shopping. I tend to only go shopping if I absolutely need something. And therefore, I will go to Westfield because I know chances are I'll be able to get it there. Okay. You just... You're in and out. I mean... There's always a lot of people who seem to be there on like family days out and they seem to be there for the enjoyment of it, yeah. which I cannot understand whatsoever <laughs> because I don't like that. Which So I kind of think that, you know, maybe maybe that's not the way to go. Maybe we don't need more Westfields. Like we've got one. If you need to buy something, you can go there. And if you want to go for a nice day out and sort of like potter around some, some nice little shops, maybe that's... I think one of the issues with barking and... Ilford in particular, probably slightly more Ilford, um, which Mark Mark Bass does actually mention here is that you know he wants to have a focus on on restaurants and he and I think that does come into it in in Ilford there are not that that many restaurants but are pretty few and there's almost none that, there's very few that stay open in the evening um, it's similar in Barking um, and you really need those to attract. Uh, families for days out those kind of shoppers people coming on Saturday and Sunday um, you need those, those kind of things and also to attract people in the in the evening as well and Westfield has so many restaurants and I guess when people know one they know they can get their shopping two they know they can pick up a bite to eat and they and can you probably can park also, right in it as yeah well. that helps so I think I think he's right to mention that and I think that 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 is one of the major issues and I think that they are trying to, to solve that in in Ilford so when we have a local paper review big day out at some point, you don't want to go shopping, is what you're saying? That's not like a pleasurable thing for you. Shopping trip? Not at all. I'm, I just I'm on Laura's I, side as well. I'll I pass just, on the shopping day out. Oh. I just feel like I've got a limited amount of spare time and that's not what I want to be doing with it. And also, you know, like maybe if I was really, really rich and I could just go in and buy the whole shop, I'd feel differently. But I don't know. I mean, to some extent, I, you know... That's that's the great thing about the internet is that you can literally just sit at home and buy something yeah. without having to fight your way through crowds of children yeah. in your way. I just find I, like I go to Westfield quite a bit just because of where because I live in Forest Gate and it's really nearby, but it's never 
for fun. So. The bane of other people. You're singing my song. I'm not going to disagree with you at all. <laughs> if you want to walk around a shop and feel like you are minted, you could buy anything you want. Just across the little path there, <laughs> pound shop, right? Walk in there. I'll even give you a quid if you want. Walk in there and just go, you know what? I can have whatever I want. <laughs> Feels good. Feels powerful. That feel sounds that, good. Feel that power. Um, thank you very much for coming along and doing the local pay per view. There will be a podcast of it available, romforrecorder.co.uk. There's the column. In the Romford Recorder, page 34, I think you said. That's and, right. And then we'll, uh, we'll speak to you again soon. With uh, oh, Anything else you want to plug about the papers before you go? We've got loads and loads and loads of pictures from the Havering show. So if you were there, you're probably in today's Romford Recorder. There's five pages. We've got interviews. We've also got loads of videos, um, which our reporters took at the weekend, which are brilliant. Uh, just loads of stuff on the Havering show so if you were there and you had a good time then definitely check out the website check out the Facebook and pick up the recorder beautiful we get more details on that then so romfrecorder.co.uk thank you very much for coming in thank you for listening to the local paper review podcast you can hear the next one live Friday 2pm on Time 107.5